Amen. Have you, how many of you know you're going to be singing that all day long, the rest of the, maybe the rest of the week, it will just come up in your head. Um, today, we're going to start off with uh, Miss Pearl and Shyla, who is portraying a fictional character named Becca, but Pearl, Pearl is one of our uh, kids' ministers. She uh, coordinates schedules and also teaches. She's also a school nurse, so lots of experience with kids, but I'm going to let Pearl come up and take it away. They're going to share a story, and I want to take too much from her, but they're going to share a story, then I'm going to come up and read the text uh, from Joshua 6 and give some more. So let's welcome Pearl and Shyla. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So excited. Listen, kids, if you'd like to come up front and sit down, you're more than welcome to. We're going to be giving away some prizes if you answer questions. So come on up, have a seat. We're so excited to have everybody here this morning because God is so good. Amen. Okay, to start with, what do I have in my hand? Go ahead, Ella. A Bible. Yes. You get a bracelet there, Ella. All right. So the Bible, it is the true word of God. This is how God speaks to his people. There is an Old Testament and a New Testament. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the Old Testament. We're going to look at a book called Joshua. Can you guys tell me who Moses is? Go ahead, Luke. He's a guy with a staff. Okay. Anybody else tell me who Moses is? Sully, who's Moses? Here. He was, yeah, he was a good guy. Anybody else know? Did Moses bring people out of Egypt? Yeah. What were you going to say about Moses? His, <laughs> his staff. His, his, um, Jesus helped him, Jesus helped Moses pass the, um, you said it. He said his staff turned into a snake. What, what do you want to tell me about Moses? He, when he was little, he had to go through the water to get saved. He went through the water, yes. He crossed the uh, Red Sea, and God opened it for him. Very good. So after Moses comes Joshua. So that's where we're going to pick up the story with Joshua um, and the walls of Jericho. The Israelites were the second generation of people who wandered through the wilderness. They trusted in God to provide, and they knew the promises of the promised land. We're going to look at this story through the eyes of a fictional girl. Her name is Becca. And fictional means that she's not true. She wasn't really in the Bible. But she's going to share from her diary. And the things that she shares are true that happened in the Bible. It might 
help you to understand what someone your age might have been seeing during this time. All right, Becca, will you go ahead and share your first entry? My name is Rebecca, Becca for short, and I want to tell you the story of how I got to the Promised Land. Since I was born, my family and I have been in the desert. You see, I'm an Israelite. And about 40 years ago, my grandparents and parents used to be slaves in Egypt. My dad just was just a small boy then, but he still remembers how God saved him and his people from slavery through the amazing displays of his power. My dad loves to tell me stories about God's faithfulness, like how he parted the Red Sea, set honey-flavored cracker bread called manna from heaven to feed his people and give us water from stones. But my favorite story are, stories are about the promised land. My dad says it's flowing with milk and honey. He says that one day God will fulfill his promise and lead us there. When he does, we will stop sleeping in tents and finally rebuild a real house. I asked my dad, why aren't we there yet? Dad says he's waiting for a faithful generation. What is that? I ask. Sometimes my dad uses big words, and he has to explain them to me. Well, Dad says, faithful mean go means God does what he says he will do. We can trust him, and generation means a group of people close in age. He explains that my brother and I are one generation, and he and my mother are another. He also explains that the old generation, my grandparents' generation, wasn't faithful. They didn't trust God to take care of them. They even disobeyed God by worshiping idols. So God decided that the old generation wouldn't get to go to the promised land. Instead, they would have to live the rest of their lives in the desert. Dad tells me God is waiting for a generation of faithful people who trust him with all their hearts and minds. He's waiting for a generation willing to be his servants. Then God will take, the prom take us to the promised land. I hope that we are faithful generations the faithful generation God is looking for, because I can't wait to see the promised land. Okay, guys, do you have any questions about what Becca just shared? What's your question, honey? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do you forget? Okay. Do you have a question? Um, How about I ask you guys a question? Do you know what an idol is? Now, Luke, what's an idol? It's a statue that people would maybe worship, but they weren't supposed to. Right, right. Very good, Luke. Very good. So an idol back then was a statue that they would worship instead of worshiping God. Okay, but do you know that the Bible applies to us today? Everything in the Bible applies to us today. Do we have idols today? Yes, we do. Do you know, do you have any examples of an idol? What might be an idol today? Maybe if you like to ride your bike a lot, your bike could become more important than God. Absolutely. Anything that becomes more important to us than God becomes an idol. So, I'm sorry, what? He has four of them. He does. He does. He's, he's doing really good at answering the questions. So, yes. Yeah, so, maybe a sports player might become an idol. Um, maybe um, a singer might become an idol. How about your cell phone? 
Yeah, maybe your cell phone might become an idol. If you're spending every day looking on your cell phone and not listening to God, not reading God's word, not doing what God wants you to do, then you become then that becomes an idol. Yes, guys. Ella. Phone is not important than Jesus. You're right. A phone is not a phone is not more important than Jesus. Amen. And a bike may be more important than Jesus, and it's not. Right. A bike might be more important than Jesus, but it's not. Very good. Might, might be um, toys are not important than Jesus. Right. Toys are not more important than Jesus. Money's not more important than Jesus. Yes, money is not more important than Jesus. You kids are awesome. All right. So God wants us to just trust in him. I have a couple of pictures to look at real quick. This is a picture of what Egypt might have looked like. You can see the big sphinx and the pyramids in the background. That's a picture of what Egypt might have looked like. Here is a picture of them in the tents in the desert. They were living in tents in the desert. Oh, can you imagine that? No air conditioning. No swimming pool. No water. And there's just another picture of the desert. As you can see in the desert, there's nothing green. There's nothing lively. They got their food from manna from heaven, she said. And their water, he struck a stone and water came out. All right, let's hear what else Becca has to share from her diary. Dear diary, yippee. The day I've been dreaming about is finally here. Today we're going to the promised land. A few nights ago, Joshua, our leader since Moses died, sent spies to the promised land. The spies sneaked into Jericho, a big city protected by strong, thick stone walls. They just got back last night and told Joshua that while Jericho is a strong city, they know God wants to give us the land. So this morning, Dad woke us up early to pack our things. Though Joshua, through Joshua, God is leading us to the promised land. All right. How exciting. They're going to the promised land. They have finally become that faithful generation. So I have a picture of what Joshua might have looked like. That's what Joshua might have looked like back then. All right. Here I have a picture of the spies. The spies went in ahead of time. They went into the city of Jericho to see what it was like, to see who the people looked like, to see what it was like. So there's a picture of the spies. And then here's another picture of Jericho in the distance. So um, you can still see that they are still in the desert. All right. This is getting exciting. Let's hear what else Becca has to say. Dear Diary, I've got something to tell you. Today we came to the huge rushing Jordan River that was right in the way. And there was no boats or bridges to help us cross it. I cried to Dad, oh, no, how will we ever get to the promised land? Dad said, Becca, God is faithful. Trust him. He will get us across. Then I saw Joshua 
order the priest to walk into the river with the Ark of the Covenant on his, their shoulders. The Ark of the Covenant is very special. Inside are the ta tablets on which God wrote his law. The Ark of the Covenant always goes before us. It's the symbol of God's presence with us. At first, I thought Joshua was out of his mind. I thought the river would sweep the priest away. But then I remembered what God said. God is faithful. He is looking for faith from his people. So I decided to trust in God. And then it happened. A miracle. The river stopped flowing. I could hardly believe my eyes. As we crossed through the river on dry land, my dad and I sang praises to God. Tonight, we're eating and sleeping in the promised land. Wow. God is faithful. I have a couple more pictures. This is the picture of the Ark of the Covenant. They carried this ahead of them before they crossed the Jordan River. Does anyone know why the Ark of the Covenant was special? Luke. It held the Ten Commandments. It held the Ten Commandments. Absolutely. What else? Was there anything else special about the Ark of the Covenant? Um, I don't know. No? Okay. Ella? It had lots of stuff that they needed to survive in the desert. Well, it had the Ark. It had the Ten Commandments. They didn't really carry other stuff in it. One other thing. What do you think, Bristol? I think it's a staff. Okay. All right. So the Ark of the Covenant carried the presence of God. It was God that was leading them. It was God going before them. It was his presence that traveled with the Ark of the Covenant. So also, this is a picture of the Jordan River now you can see we're seeing some green stuff because we're now into the promised land. There is green and trees and grass and water, and it's a special, special place. What do you think you would have thought of if you were asked to cross the Jordan River? You would think of, um, that was not real. You would, you would think that, yeah, that's scary. Would it be scary? I'd think get your bathing suit on. Yeah. Get your bathing suit on. Yeah. Well, you know, it was a fast-flowing river, and it was in what's called flood stage, which means it was rushing really fast. So it was really scary. But they trusted God, and God stopped the river from flowing. Isn't that amazing? Let's see what else Becca has to share. Dear Diary, you won't believe what happened. Remember the city of Jericho, the one with the big, thick walls? Well, God told Joshua that he wanted us to march around the city for seven days with trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant. On the seventh day, we were to stop and shout while the priests lay their trumpet, play their trumpets. It sounded like an impossible plan to me. Then I remembered how God parted the Jordan River, and I decided that I wanted to be a part of a faithful generation. So I prayed, God, I want to be a faithful servant. I will march around Jericho because I know that's what you want us to do. And when Joshua told us it was time, my dad and I marched on the seventh day. I shouted at the top of my lungs with everyone else, and the walls of Jericho came crashing down. God did it. 
Dad says, it's official. God has given us the land. He was faithful to us and kept his promise. Now, Dad says, it's up to us to ask God to help us to be the type of people who serve God, who are faithful as he is faithful. You know what, diary? God has been so faithful to me that I can't wait to be a faithful servant willing to serve him. In fact, I can't wait to see how he uses me as his servant. I can al- I also can't wait to see what he does next. Oh my goodness, isn't that awesome? God gave them the city of Jericho. Those walls came tumbling down, but they had to be what? What word did they have to be? Do you know? They had to be helpful. Helpful, okay. They had to trust in Jesus. They had to trust in him. Jesus. They had to be faithful. They had to be faithful. They had to be obedient. They had to be obedient to what God told them to do. Because, you know, sometimes that sounds a little strange to be marching around a wall. So we have to be obedient to God. This is a picture of what Jericho looked like. Look at that big, thick wall. This is the wall that God tore down. Pretty amazing there. Here's a picture of some trumpets because the priests blew their trumpets. And one more picture of the wall in ruins because God tore it down. He is an amazing God. And he is a faithful God. Now remember... We want to remember everything that comes from the Bible. So I'm now going to turn today's lesson over to Pastor Eric, and he is going to dive deeper into what the Bible has to say. Thank you, Miss Pearl and Becca, for sharing that awesome story and uh, giving us some pictures to see as well. Well, we want to read directly from the Bible to see what It says, and uh, just starting off with verse 1, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once, thus shall you do for six days. Now it's interesting to look at the language that God used here. God said that, see, I've given Jericho into your hand, yet the people of Israel were outside the city. This great city that would have been, was fortified, the walls, the gates were shut and barred, and, and they would have been barricaded, they would have been locked inside the people of Jericho, afraid of the Israelites. Because the Israelites were coming, people had heard, may, may have heard of the, the things that God had done, and they were afraid of them. But God said, I've given you the, wall, the, the city of Jericho. And oftentimes we come to God and we, we see a, a fortified wall. We see a fortified barrier that we don't know how we're going to get to the other side. Something in life. Maybe it's finance. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's relational. Maybe Whatever that problem is, that diagnosis, that thing that comes up, it can be like a big, thick wall that we don't know how we're ever going to get through this. Yet God says, I've given it to you on the other side. There's, a, there's another side to the wall. And God is outside of time, outside of being stuck in the circumstance or the situation. And he can speak to us. And I believe he speaks to all of us and says, I've given you something in the future that you don't even realize you have yet, but to trust me with that. And, it's, and also important here, he, he mentions these men of valor. 
and we're going to actually do a little demonstration here. Luke, if you would mind scooting in just a little bit, we're going to make some room. I need two men of valor. I need men, men of valor. Any men of valor in the room? Oh, come on, guys. This is for the kids. Any, Jared, you can come on up. Any, Jer, George, why don't you come on up as well? Men of valor. Here's your sword. Here's your sword. They're going to march because God said to march, so we obey what God says. Amen? Now, I need four other volunteers that get a sword. Who else? You want a sword? You get a sword. We have one over here. Gabby, how about you get a sword? Now, there was also people with trumpets. Uh, continue the next verse, verse 4. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. So I need some trumpet volunteers. The adults, you can participate too. Anybody want? Heather, come on up. Anybody else? The, the big kids? Man, you can come on. Suzanne? Okay, that's enough for the adults. So let the kids participate now. Uh, what color would you like? Pink. There you go. Which color would you like? Green. And that one. All right, now some kids. Ella. You can have one. You can have one. And how about Derek? All right, so now, I don't know if you know what you agreed to, but if you have a trumpet and a sword, you're going to march around the walls of Jericho. We're going to have this, and you're going to march, and how about the men? George and Jared, you can lead the way up the steps, go around the stage, and around one time. So everyone with the trumpet, you got to stand up or sword, get up and follow as you march around the stage, just if you have a sword or a trumpet. And we can play, we have some uh, trumpet sounds we can play as well. Go ahead, March. Once. That's good. All right. Now you can go back to your seats, but hang on to the trumpets and hang on to your sword. You might need them again. So you can run back to your seats. Thank you. Thank you. So they went around the city day after day after day. They went around the city and they blew the trumpets when they made it. And God gave Joshua this command. He said, when they go around, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people will shout on the seventh day, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up straight before him, everyone into the city. Now, something I missed as a very important part, and we're going to do this a little later, is as they were going around the city, God told them not to speak. And I thought that was interesting. Like, they weren't allowed to talk while they're marching around the city. And it actually never says that they were allowed to talk that entire time that they were there for those seven days. And I, I wonder, this, the Bible doesn't explicitly say this, but I wonder how many times when we're doing something for God, we start to murmur, or we start, start to talk, or we start to let doubts or fear or worry creep into our minds and go, are we really supposed to be doing this? I mean, imagine being in that place. Like, I love how, uh, what Pearl and Shyla shared of the, the, what could be an example. What, get in the mind of somebody there. And I would wonder if how many times one of us would say, man, are we really, this is silly. This is a silly plan. I mean, think about the, the plan and the faith that it took for the people of Israel to march around Jericho without saying a word. And he didn't say, prepare a bunch of weapons, prepare a bunch of armaments, we're going to go and attack, get, make your shields. He said, no, we're going to walk around with trumpets, 
Now, there were armed men of valor there, but it was mostly the, the trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant that went around the city. And I think as day after day after day went on, the people of Jericho, any fear they did have, probably would have been more like the VeggieTales story of the people uh, making fun of the Israelites. The people of Jericho, look at them silly people marching around again, going around and around as if they're going to actually knock the walls down. But the reality is, it's always better to obey God than to look, and sometimes obeying God looks foolish. So the challenge of Jericho, the challenge of this story, really is, will we do what God says, when he says it, and how he says it, no matter what? Will we obey God? Because courageous faith demands obedience. To truly be, have courageous faith and to follow God, is, it demands obedience to what he says, not just what we want. I want to share with you New Testament, just a few verses here, a verse in John chapter 14. Jesus' words. How many of you know Jesus? Any of you kids know Jesus? His words are important, right? What Jesus says we should listen to. Amen? What Jesus said in verse 21 here, he says, Those who accept my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. Because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them. Uh, It's fun having kids in the room, right? It's okay to have noise and some distraction. Uh, as long as they're, they're having fun and we're learning about Jesus, it's good. So how, how many of you can tell me, the kids, who can tell me what we just talked about? What, what did we just talk about? More specific. Yes. Always listen to Jesus. That's really close. Not the walls of Jericho. We're talking about that, but what verse did we just talk about? People marching around in the midst of it. So I'm going to turn to the big kids now and wonder, can anybody tell me what we just talked about? Rhiannon, real loud for everyone to hear because I know you love doing that. Love me and obey my commands. You know what? Because you're doing so well, I'm going to give you a Chick-fil-A gift card because you listened and paid attention. I have kids gift cards as well for Chick-fil-A. So any of you like Chick-fil-A here? Anybody? Okay, so... The more you can pay attention and answer questions, I got gift cards to give out, so it goes for the big kids as well. So what required more faith, to walk around the walls of Jericho without saying a word, or maybe convincing the army to do that? I'm not sure who had more faith, Joshua or the people, but it took faith. It takes courageous faith to look silly sometimes, but to truly obey God, it takes faith. And the reality is the more you know God, the reality is, the more you know who he is, the easier it becomes to obey him. Is it? When you know who God is, you know him as creator of the universe, you know him as provider, you know him as your healer, your redeemer, your savior, your Lord. When you truly know who God is, you know his heart, you know his character, you know his nature, it's easy to follow what he says because we want to obey him and because the more we know who he is, the easier it becomes to obey him. So how many of you can tell me who God is? One of the, you can use something I just shared. Brooklyn? <laughs> Derek. Holy Spirit, he is Holy Spirit. But something about who, who is God? Who, who is he to you personally? Give me an attribute or character of him. A 
person who helps you, that's a good answer. You know what? I'm going to give you a, a Chick-fil-A free kid's meal. <laughs> Don't let your parents take that from you. Uh, Marley. No, he's like a friend to me. He's a friend to you? That's a good answer. You know what? And he is Holy Spirit, so I'm going to give one to Derek as well. I don't want you to feel left out here. All right. Any grown-ups want to participate? And Jared, who is, who is God to you? Someone helps you in your darkest time. There you go. Chick-fil-A sandwich. Amen. But, you know, it's, it's learning who God is and knowing who he is is something you can stay steadfast who keeps you in your courageous faith, who can help you with obedience, because when you trust him and you know him, it's so much more enjoyable and easier to obey. So we have a memory verse. Every time we have kids ministry, there's a memory verse. And as adults and kids, we can mem- memorize scripture. And Pearl and Ashley, are two of our kids ministers, are going to come up and lead the kids and all of us in the memory verse with some motions. Okay, so I'm going to let them take over. It always helps. So the people shouted, and you're going to do this, and the trumpet... So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown, and the sound of the trumpet, he shouted a great shout. Captured the city. Amen. That's good. Everyone, you can be seated. Thank you for that. We're going to have a time to see if you all remember that at the end. So see who wants, who was listening, who's paying attention. So the march around the city once on the first day, once on the second day, once on the third day, once on the fourth day, after, till we get to day seven, Joshua 6, 15 and 16, where it says, on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day they marched around the city seven times, and at the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So, if you haven't figured it out by now, if you have a trumpet and a sword, I need you to get back up front. We're going to march around the walls of Jericho seven times. And what was one of the instructions while you're marching? No talking. No talking. And you can blow your trumpets while you walk. And we're going to have some music to get you started. So Jared and George, lead us around the city.
That's one lap. So as much as we can. They're on lap two. Somebody keep track for them. Um, but how many of you know, it's, it's fun seeing all the kids with the trumpets. And uh, the reality is, this is what a lot of walking as a Christian in life looks like. All right, three, almost. seven anybody else keep track so I know this is a lot of fun and silliness but as I was saying that oftentimes walking and doing what God is asking us to do feels silly or looks silly at times or just gets to be mundane or like when is this ever going to end right and maybe you've been praying prayers the same day after day after day week after week month after month year after year but following God is the best course of action for any of us to take to ever get to see what God is truly going to do. And you guys can stay up here just for a little bit longer because we're not done. Um, you know, the, on those days, as they went around and around and around, one of the interesting things, too, is they had the Ark of the Covenant with them, as uh, Pearl mentioned. It was an acacia wood chest that was laid with gold. It did have the, the Ten Commandments in it. Uh, also had the, the, a jar of manna in it. But it really represented the presence of God. And the people, as they marched day after day after day, they took the presence of God with them. A lot, most of the time, God didn't send them or command them to take the Ark of the Covenant into battle. But this was a time that God commanded them to take his presence into battle. And as most of us know, the end of the story, uh, that it wasn't that the people of Israel fought this battle. God fought the battle on their behalf. God did the work. God did the fighting. God did the, the heavy lifting of knocking down this fortified city's walls so that the people could go in and do their part. And a lot of times we fight so much on and trying and trying and trying and striving and trying to do good or trying to be more like God on our own instead of, instead of believing and trusting God to fight our battles for us. So how many of you, the little ones, can tell me what is in the Ark of the Covenant? Derek? 
What does the Ark of the Covenant represent? A wall, no. Yes. No. Who can tell me, what does the Ark of the Covenant represent? What, what's... No. Luke? The presence of God. There you go. You get a gift card. Uh, can anybody tell me what type of wood the chest was made of? No, 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 sorry. I just said it. Uh, but the, the presence of God to realize, and this is, if kids, you guys could focus just for a little bit longer before you get some snacks. Anybody want snacks and some more prizes? All right. Is, you know, understand that so many times I see people stop on round six. They're going and going and going and saying, but where's God? I don't see God. And, and I'm questioning, start to question the things of God or the promises of God. No more, no more trumpets for just a few minutes. Yes, Derek. No. Um, to fo- to <laughs> he is, yes. Um, to, to not stop on round six, but to keep going. Keep trusting God. Keep believing in God. Keep believing, even if it seems like he's not there. And especially when he tells you to do something you've been doing for a long time, to keep doing it even more. You're like, really, God? But to truly trust that God's going to come through in the end. And in those times of just going in the mundane, the everyday life, get into the presence of God. To worship, to truly focus. What worship really is, is it's our heart and our mind fixated on God. It's lifting him up above every other thing, above every other idol, every other thing in our lives. It's not just playing music, but that's a good way to get you kind of primed up and into worshiping God. But really, it's our heart and our mind focused and fixated on God and really entering into his presence. Amen? So this wall has got to come down. So we're going to do one more time around, and then we're going to do what the Bible says. Everybody is going to shout when the trumpets go, I'm going to give a one, two, three. So if you guys can start marching around, swords and trumpets, march around one more time. This is the seventh round. around and then our memory verse we can put that memory verse back up because what's it say on there it says the people shouted the trumpets were blown and as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet the people shouted with a great shout and the wall fell down flat so on the count of three Suzanne if you could pull that string that's right over there on the count of three with me kids actually back up away from the stage a little this might get dangerous uh I need everyone to participate, okay? Because if we all don't shout, it might not come down. But on the count of three, everybody's going to shout. One, two, three. (laughs) All right. Everyone, you can go back to your seat. Let's give them a great big hand. I'll get you some uh, gift cards later. Um, but then it says in verse 18 and 19, we're wrapping up shortly, that you, he said, but you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, 
Lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing of destruction and bring trouble upon it. The people ran into the city and God said to take the spoil, to to capture the city, to take all the, the things of value. But he said, all the silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. And, you know, recognizing that our first and best should go to God, right? And when we give God our first and our best, the rest will be blessed. You can tweet that or something. But one more illustration. I need one more kid volunteer. Anybody else? How about you? What's your name? Blake. Blake. You can stand up. I want you to participate in how we can demonstrate this lesson. When we give God our first and our best, the rest will be blessed. So I have a $20 bill, and I have a bracelet, okay? So this is the spoil. This is what you just captured the city, and God has both of these. Which one do you think you'd want? You want this, really? Uh, how much, how many of you, Blake's parents maybe, uh, would tell Blake, what should he take? <laughs> the money or the bracelet? You can buy a lot more with this one. There you go. Take that. Hold on. Stay up here for a minute. But now that he's taken the better option, right? That's the, how many of you want the, would want the 20? Any of sign of hands? How many of you would want the bracelet? You can buy a lot of these bracelets with $20, just so you know. Um, so then, not 20, the first and the best, what should you do with that? According to what we just read and according to what we learned, we give God our first and our best. And if you do, the rest will be blessed. So what do you, should you do with that $20? Buy food for the homeless. I think that's a really good answer. So um, we're going to say yes to that. That's a way you can give that to God by giving it away, not for yourself. Uh, and when we give God our first and our best, the rest will be blessed. And often what happens, we give, we trust God with it. We have true uh, faith and trust in him. God blesses us with so much more. Sometimes it's finances. Sometimes it's other ways. But you get to keep that. You get to keep a bracelet and a $15 Dairy Queen gift card because God blesses us and we trust him. Thank you, Blake. But now for, for all of us to realize, we all have the opportunity to give God our first and our best. Amen? And whatever that looks like for you, however that is in your life, we all have to make that decision of what's our first and best and will we truly trust God with it and allow him to bless the rest of it? Oftentimes we say, God, if you just bless me more, I'll give you more. But when we trust him and show that demonstration of trust, he truly does bless everything that we have, everything in our lives. So this is our time. Uh, There's ways to give on the screen behind me. And we invite you to to do whatever God's asking you to do, to trust him with your first and your best. Uh, We're not going to pass a basket, but there is a basket in the back of the room. If you have check or cash, you want to put that in. You can text to give. Uh, There's a number on the screen on our website or at any of our kiosks. We want to give you the opportunity to trust God, to demonstrate your courageous faith in trusting him to be obedient by giving him your first and your best. Amen? But more than any money that you can give, the best thing you can give God is your whole self. You can give yourself. You can give your life to him. That's truly what God wants. When people say, God just wants my money, I'll say, he doesn't really want your money. He wants everything. He wants everything of of who you are. He wants your whole being. He wants your thoughts. He wants your actions. He wants your money too because he says, I'm going to do more with that little bit you give me than you're going to do on your own. He can bless more people with it. And trusting God with your whole self is the, is the most important thing that any one of us can do. 
And sometimes it's a process, but it starts with making a decision. And I want to share with you something we got the opportunity to do uh, in Guatemala when we were there last week. And we had these books made by our kids' ministers. So it's a big family day. We want to let the kids who were part of making these know what they did in Guatemala, what they were a part of. And these books are, they're wordless books, uh, as it may, you may have guessed. There's no words in them, but they're colors that share the gospel of Jesus. And each of these colors represents a different portion of, of the gospel. And the kids made these a few weeks ago. A team of us took them to Guatemala and were able to share with kids. And hundreds of kids gave their lives to Jesus. Amen. It's not the books, but I'm so glad that the kids and each of you who made these books or were a part of these added to what God did in those kids' lives in Guatemala. And I just want to go through so all of you know what, this, what these mean and how you can share them. And we also made bracelets, which I'm wearing, that show the different colors to help the kids. And every kid that we got to minister to got a book and they got a bracelet to remember the gospel of Jesus. So, and this goes for the adults or the kids. And I'll, so I'm going to test you a little bit. Who can tell me what the color black represents? Dave. Sin. It represents sin. Can somebody run this back today? I'll run it back to you. Sin. So black, it represents the sin that all of us have. The Bible says that all people have fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person who's ever been born except for Jesus has sinned, which just means missing the mark. It means not, not doing everything perfect. Any of you ever perf be perfect? No, if not, talk to your spouse. If you think you're perfect, talk to your spouse. But, and all of us have sin, and the reality is every one of us have this problem of sin that leads to death. Now the second one, who can tell me what red represents? Yes. Love, that's good. You know, more, what else it represents? Where, who is love? Who is love? Where does love come from? God is love. I'll give you one of these. This is, this is a good answer. God is love. God is the creator of love. And the red represents, anybody I want to add to that? The blood of Jesus. That's right. So red represents the blood of Jesus, which the blood of Jesus, the only way that we could cover our sin, the blackness on our hearts, the blackness in our lives, the blood of Jesus covers us if we truly accept him and believe that he died on the cross for us. But he didn't just stay dead. He Made white. Who can tell me what white is, Rhiannon? What's that? White is snow. The sin, our sin is washed away to be white as snow. Anyone else want to add some more to the white? Ella. The whiteness of Jesus. Close. I mean, that's close. Purity. You get another one. You're going to have a nice day. Not today, but sometime this week. You're going to have a day at Chick-fil-A. The white represents the purity, the cleansing, the washing our, red, our sin as white as snow. And then the, the next one is green. Who can tell me what green is? No, not Blake. No. Love. These are all good answers, but not the answer I'm looking for. Shyla, we grow in our faith. You're going to run up and grab one of these. <laughs> we grow in our faith. The green, we grow in our faith to then be able to enter what is the gold. What does gold represent? Rosalie? Heaven. Oh, do you want a kids or a sandwich? I'll let you pick. Okay. 
Rosalie, good answer. Somebody run this back to Rosalie. Thank you. So, recap. Black, we all have sin. We all have stuff in our lives, and we know in the deepest, darkest parts of our life, we all have sin. But the blood of Jesus can cleanse us. It makes us white as snow. And then we begin, once we begin that relationship, we have to grow. We have to grow in our relationship, grow in our understanding of God. And as we do that, ultimately, if we believe in Jesus, believe in our heart, as Romans 10 says, believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved. It's not just a mental decision. It's a spiritual thing that happens when we truly put our faith and our trust. We're talking about courageous faith that demands obedience. Obedience starts with saying yes to Jesus to truly enter heaven. So I want to offer you today... Uh, if, actually, if everyone could stand to your feet, because we're going to wrap up here real shortly. I want to offer you today, if you've never made that decision, that simple gospel message that we've acknowledged we have sin, but we need the blood of Jesus to cleanse us white as snow so we could be growing in our new relationship with him to someday enter heaven. If that's you today and you say, you know what, I, I don't know if you've ever, I've never made that decision Maybe you're here for the first time or you've heard this portrayed for the first time and you want to make absolute certainty that you know that you're going to be in heaven today, not because of good works, not because of church membership, but only by the blood of Jesus can you truly be saved. If that's you today, I just want to pray a special prayer for you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Um, if we could all bow our heads, close our eyes, and uh, as you're reflecting on that, those, those simple colors, that simple message, if you're here today and you say, you know what? I, I need that. I need that blood of Jesus to make my black sin white as snow. I want to begin that relationship with God. The way we say here is that he becomes the forgiver of your past, that your past is wiped away, and your future, and now he's the leader to your future. He's your Lord. He's your master. He's your savior. And you begin to understand what all those names of God and who he is really mean. If you're here today, I just ask you to slip up your hand. You don't have to come up forward. You don't have to say anything just so I can pray for you. If you're here today and you say yes to Jesus, just slip up your hand. Thank you. I see those hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? You want to make Jesus the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. God, that the blackness of our heart is made white as snow because of your blood. God, the worst, dirtiest, ugliest thing we've ever done can be made white as snow because of what you have done. Father, I pray for every single person who is accepting you right now in this moment, God, that they begin to grow in a new relationship with you. God, they'd give their whole life to you, not just a portion, but their entire life to you. God, that they would praise you, they'd worship you, they'd begin to know who you are more and more. God, so someday they get to be in eternity, celebrating on the streets of gold, worshiping you for all eternity. Father, I pray for every single person here that we'd be fixated on you each and every day this week celebrating what you've done in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can all be seated. Pastor Rick, give us our direction.